This week's episode of the Get Back Coach is brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting and leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors, free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free, and when you're there, put in a referral code BRAN13, that's B-R-A-N-1-3, that'll tell them that I sent you. On this week's episode of the Get Back Coach, I analyze what happened in the Iowa-Penn State game, rant about toxic Penn State fans. Next, I'll recap the rest of the slate with winners and losers. And then we welcome on Jeff Nadu from The Sit Down. He explains his podcast, his upcoming fight, and rough and rowdy. And we preview this upcoming week of college football. All that and a lot more. All right, let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach, presented by Branded Sports. I'm your host, Jake Myers. And um, it it was a rough Saturday. It was a rough Saturday. I know everyone tuning in is probably waiting for my reaction to Penn State's loss to Iowa. Before I get into it, I just want to say, um, take my hat off to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Their defense was absolutely suffocating. Um, you know, I think some of that had to do with a backup quarterback who isn't really a backup quarterback who went in there. But, you know, they, they Iowa can't control that. They took care of business. Um, Penn State's defense held on for as long as they could. Um, really gutsy performance by them, but Iowa came out on top. Penn State had some injuries. Uh, the big one again at, at quarterback with Sean Clifford. Uh, who knows what how that game would have turned out? Um, I'd like to think that at the very worst, Penn State moves the football at least changes field position a little bit, drains more clock. And again, that's at the very worst. And then Iowa doesn't score or they have to drive the field to score. Um, But hats off to Iowa. You know, they, they won the football game. I was a little, I don't know. I was a little fired up that they stormed the field because they were favorites, but listen, it's a, it's a three versus four. It's the biggest game in Kinnick in a very long time where Iowa isn't playing spoiler. They're, they're playing to make the college football playoff. So, you know, I don't care. Storm the field, have fun. Uh, so my, after I've called, after I calmed down, I was, uh, I'm, I'm okay with the storming of the field. 
Um, but with that being said, you know, Penn State in this game, um, I'm seeing a lot of people. And, and again, I, I know it's just people who hate Penn State and, and, and Iowa people too saying, well, I didn't know Sean Clifford played defense. Like, oh, well, Penn State's defense still has to stop them. Like, that is such an ignorant thing to say. And if you say that, you don't watch, you don't watch football, you don't know football. Um, anyone will tell you that a, a defense can only do so much. That when you are consistently playing in your own territory, eventually you're going to break. And that's what happened to the Penn State defense. I mean, they ended up, they held Iowa for really two of really two full quarters about halfway through the second. And then they scored with about six minutes to go uh, in the fourth. But, you know, Roberson from Penn state, I I feel for the kid. Um, He wasn't, I mean, it's very hard to simulate that type of atmosphere. Um, Not only that atmosphere, but that, that type of defense who is very good. That's a top 10 defense. Um, Penn state has struggles in the running game, so they couldn't really go to that. Um, There was a couple drop passes uh, two on Brenton strange. The one was tough, but Brenton strange is having a great year for Penn state. So, um, you know, that happens. He had a drop, but you know, Roberson, not, you know, just kind of a deer in the headlights and, you know, is that on the coaching staff? Yeah, you you can say that, but again, it's a it's a totally different animal, you know, getting in that game. Um, people were complaining about the clap that why are they going on a clap snap count? Um, it looked like juice uh, juice scrubs <laughs> scrubs. Listen to me, uh, shrugs couldn't hear the clap, the, the clap cadence. Uh, again, if you're going to do something the same the whole time, you don't want to change it. Plus, if you go on a silent snap count, your offensive line has to get a good jump to protect Roberson and to try and, you know, have a good, you know, ha- have a good run game to try and get that going. It's, it's hard to go on that silent snap because then your offensive line doesn't get that jump off the ball that they need. So am I disappointed? Absolutely. Um, If Sean Clifford is better, I I think Roberson against Illinois, I think Penn State can, with with two weeks of preparation, will be able to beat Illinois. I don't think it'll be necessarily that easy. I think Illinois hangs around, but I think they can get the job done. Illinois' offense is terrible. Uh, their defense is okay. I don't think they're great. Uh, I think it's one of those things where Roberson can get Dotson and Lambert Smith and a bunch of those guys out in space, and they might be able to even get the running game going against them. But I – and I, I told myself going into this, I'm not going to rant long about Penn State. I don't want to because I don't know if you guys, you know, the listeners, want to hear it. But I have to get something off my chest. I have had it with the toxic corner of Penn State State fans, most of them being over 40 years old who don't have a clue how college football works. I'm sick of it. 
And I know a lot of it stems from a hatred for James Franklin. And I just, these people live in a fantasy world. At the very worst, at the very worst, James Franklin is a top 12 head coach in the country. I think at the worst, any lineup or any list that you see, go pick one from any college football source, sports source, anything. They don't have they don't have James Franklin, um, you know, lower than twelve. He is a top twelve coach. Now he does deserve some criticism for his game or for his clock management. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes he does. But if your take after the Iowa game is that I can't wait or I hope James Franklin goes to USC, I never want to see you at Beaver Stadium in Happy Valley ever again because you are an ignorant troll of a person who doesn't know how college football works. Uh, you know, I, I see people, and it's not a lot of Twitter. Uh, you know, Twitter has its trolls, but it's the Facebook community. Again, it's the 40 and over Penn State fans who want to run the I formation and want to, you know, put the fullback in there and ground and pound uh, for 150 yards and, and 30 carries a game. That's the group of people we're, we're talking about here. Um, I, I saw people saying terrible adjustments. James Franklin has terrible adjustments in play calling. Man, I don't know if the offense this year has looked night. It's night and day compared to last year. And they've played some decent defenses already. A terrible adjustments. James Franklin has had good adjustments for pretty much since he's gotten there. The only bad adjustment I would say is maybe two games against Ohio State where they lost, where Ohio State came back. Other than that, he's been great with halftime adjustments. What are you talking about? Um, and, and again, it's it's this – I've seen it again. Penn State, oh, here comes another mediocre season. Do you know, like, how tough it is to be in the top ten in the college football world? This isn't the NFL. Where if you don't at least make your, you know, the AFC or the NFC championship, the the semifinals before the Super Bowl, that you don't have a good year, that that's a mediocre year. That's not how college football works. All right. If you make a New Year's Six Bowl, so if you're in the top 12, that is a good year. That's a very good year. And I know, and and I don't want to sound like, I'm content with not making the playoff. Of course not. But let's look at this realistically here. There's 129 or 130 FBS schools. And if you're in the top five, or sorry, if you're fifth outside of the top uh, four for the college football playoff, you're in the 98th percentile of teams. That's totally different than being you know, one of the top four in, in a 32 team or a 32 team league in the NFL. It's not the same. And these people that act like it is, aren't your college football fans. They're NFL fans who on Saturday enjoy college football. I, I, I'm sick of that 
part of the Penn State fan base. And again, it's mostly the 40 and over part of it. You know, again, if James Franklin leaves Penn State, this program will be pushed back at least three years, at least three years. And, and, And I know... The people who ate James Franklin, they were out of the woodwork again. Instead of just saying, listen, our, our starting quarterback got hurt, our defense got worn down, and that's how we lost to Iowa. You know, a pretty common take. I know Iowa fans don't want to hear about it. And Hey, listen, that that's fine. I, I, I wouldn't want to hear it either. But, you know, Sean Clifford, yeah, he threw two interceptions, but he had 17 points. Like They, they were looking solid. And at the very least, was able would be able to at least um, move the ball up the field and at least drain some clock and try and at least flip from field position so that I was not getting the ball on in Penn State territory or really close to it. I saw again, James Franklin, and I'm sick of hearing this. James Franklin, yep, he can't win the big game. He can't win it. He can't win the big game. He can't win the big games except for the ones he has. And I'll go through them with you. He can't win the big game. Well, ex- except that game against Ohio State that they pulled out. You know, they, they can't win big games except for that. You know, he can't win big games, but he, he's won four wideout games, two of those going against a ranked Michigan team. Um, you know, can't win big games, but, you know, he he did. He hasn't lost to Wisconsin yet uh, and beat Wisconsin earlier this year when they were, you know, the locker room uh, wasn't dead when they figured out that their offense is terrible. You know, never lost to Wisconsin, by the way. You know, he can't win the big game, except he has won at Kinnick at night twice, uh, once against uh, a ranked Iowa team. I think they were 17th at that point. Uh, can't win the big game, but he's won a Fiesta Bowl, Bowl and a Cotton Bowl. I know they were eight-point favorites in that Cotton Bowl, but, man, we can throw it in there. Um, he, you know, he can't win the big game, but he's won a Big Ten championship. So, again, James Franklin can't win the big game, um, excluding the ones he has. So, I just want to make that um, perfectly clear. Um, do you know what not or can't win the big game equates to for, the, for, for these people? He can't win the big game is he's lost a game, which not a lot of teams can actually say that they don't lose a game, that they go undefeated. You know, Alabama's gone undefeated a few times. Ohio State's won a national title with a loss. Uh, Clemson usually loses a game, one game a year to a team that they shouldn't have. Um, So, again, everybody loses a game. Usually, everybody loses a game. So, again, these people that are saying this, I don't want to see you at Beaver Stadium. I don't want to see you at Happy Valley. I want you to get the hell away from the Penn State fan base because you're not a true fan. You don't know what you're talking about. And honestly, that toxicity hurts this program. Um, I saw this with not just from the crazy toxic corner of the Penn State fan base, but from other sides as well. Um, actually, decently, um, pe- decently knowledgeable people. Um, How is the backup quarterback that bad? And I I think this is a really simple answer. Uh, Penn State had four quarterbacks at one point. Um, They had Sean Clifford. They had Will Levis, who is now at Kentucky, who's starting. They're 6-0. 
and uh, Micah Bowens, who transferred to Oklahoma. That left Roberson to stay to be the uh, backup. So, again, you give Roberson a little bit of credit. Um, he's, you know, he could have said, hey, I'm going to try by water somewhere else. I'm going to, you know, go to, I don't know, Toledo or a Mac school or something like that. But he didn't. He stuck around. You know, Micah Bowens left to Oklahoma. Like I said, Will Levis right now is 6-0. and And I think Will Levis, I like Will Levis. He's a tough, he's a tough quarterback. Um, and people are making a big deal. Oh, I, I think Will Levis was the better quarterback last year. No, nah, no, he wasn't. Sean Clifford had some turnover issues. That's why he he got a he got an opportunity. But when he was in those games, he's not a traditional thrower. And when you're such coming in, I think Will Levis kind of settled writing on the wall of I'm not a quarterback that can throw the ball, you know, 30 times a game. I'm gonna leave. And he went to Kentucky, a place where he doesn't have to throw the ball more than 20 times. They have a good run game, they have a good defense, and he can be a good game manager. And I think he and he is, he is good. I think there's gonna be a point where he's gonna have to do more, and I think that's where Kentucky will struggle. But I mean, Will Levis is a solid quarterback. If Will Levis stayed. Penn State beats Iowa. They do. I, I strongly believe Penn State beats Iowa if they had Will Levis as a backup. But the problem here is that you had two other quarterbacks who are good, not better than Sean Clifford, I'm sorry, and Sean Clifford's no All-American, but you have two quarterbacks who are good, who know they're good, and we're saying, hey, we're going to go somewhere else because we feel like we can play. We lost the quarterback battle here. Well, and then here's the next question is, well, how come we didn't go after someone in the transfer portal after we lost these guys? Well, that's because you have Drew Alar coming in, one of the best um, quarterbacks in the country. You don't want to burn a scholarship. You don't want to get a guy in the transfer portal. And then what does that, what message does that send Drew Alar? That sends the message of, oh, why are they getting this other guy? I'm coming in next year. And that was the big reason why Drew Alar is going to Penn State because they Penn State jumped on this kid out of Ohio before Ohio State did, like way before. Ohio State just offered him, I think, right before the season started. And Jewel Lars said, I'm not going to Ohio State. Penn State was with me in the beginning. And that's why. So Penn State fans, is it okay to be disappointed? Absolutely. The sky is not falling. Um, if Sean Clifford gets back for Ohio State, which I hope he's back for Illinois, but I think that's wishful thinking. But if Sean Clifford's back for Ohio State, um, even if they lose to Ohio State, beat the two Michigan schools, beat Maryland, beat Rutgers, and guess what? You're 10-2, and and you're going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. And I think they will because people will see that Iowa loss, and they'll be like, eh, Penn State looked like they were cruising until Sean Clifford got hurt. And again, Sean Clifford's no All-American, but man, he was looking good. He was looking good. So again, toxic side of that Penn State fan base, I don't want to see you anymore. I don't. It's okay to be critical. It is. It's okay to be critical, but when you talk out your ass, get the hell away from my program. Oh, one last thing. Adjust, you talk about adjustments. Um, that one series where they got the field goal, Roberson, they were running uh, read options, which is not 
what Yurcich wants to do, but they did it just for that. So that shows that they do they did have a plan if Roberson got in there. Problem is once Iowa, um, once Iowa adjusted, it was over. Because then they forced Roberson to throw, um, and it, it wasn't happening. And that's enough about that. Uh, winners and losers. Listen, I was a big Coach O defender. I still think he deserves an- another year, but uh, they've completely lost their edge. Completely. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's fired after this year just because of how bad it is. And, yeah, they were manhandled by Kentucky. Absolutely manhandled. I know Kentucky's good, but I don't know. I, I still think because he won a national title, you give Coach O one more year. But if it isn't going good in that year, then I think you fire him halfway through the season. Um, let's talk about some winners. Uh, we talked about Iowa. Iowa, big winner this weekend. How about Texas A&M, man, uh, beating Alabama at Kyle Field? I mean, gr- absolutely great. Zach Calzada, backup quarterback, um, didn't do well against Arkansas and Mississippi State at all. But did not look good. And then comes out. Uh, 21 of 31 for 285 yards and three touchdowns. He looked great against Alabama. And that's a huge victory on Kyle Field. You know, Texas A&M, again, not good. But, hell, they played the game of their life against Alabama. So, props to them. Um, Oh, yeah. And then there's a couple Alabama fans saying it's time for Saban to retire. He's getting too old right after they won a national title. Um, So, yeah, people are nuts. Uh, Oklahoma. So here's the thing, Oklahoma fans. I, I know I ripped you about booing Spencer Rattler and, and chanting, uh, we want Caleb. And, and I still stand by my comments that I think that was a dumb thing to do, but looking now, Caleb Williams is your starter. He is. He, um, again, I'm not saying the fans were right because they, they aren't, they're not right. What they did. Spencer Rattler was doing okay, but uh, against Texas, listen, Caleb Williams is giving you that juice. I think you ride it. And I know some people are like, oh, why isn't Lincoln Riley naming him the starter? Why would you want your opponent to know who you're going to start? Make him prepare for two quarterbacks. I think Penn State does that with Sean Clifford and Roberson for Ohio State. I think Roberson plays against Illinois, and then you know you play Ohio State, and then you're going to make them. You're going to make them. Um, you know, prepare for two quarterbacks. Losers. Oh, so we're talking about the Oklahoma game. The Red River rivalry. What a great game that was, by the way. I mean, just high. I mean, I'm not a big guy with shootouts, a high score and stuff, but man, what an awesome, crazy rivalry game. It's awesome. Uh, biggest loser this week is Texas easily. I mean, you're 28, you're up 28 to seven. You're in the driver's seat and you just let Oklahoma hang around, they hang around, they hang around. And then, they demolish you in the fourth quarter. 25 points. Only gave up, and Oklahoma only gave up 10 points. So Texas only scored 10 points in the second half. Oklahoma's defense adjusted. Their offense adjusted. They ran with Caleb Williams. He looked good. Um, Texas, Bijan Robinson had a big day, and I believe, I think it could have been bigger. I think they could have really went to him earlier, but I, I don't know why they didn't. I don't know if they, you know, didn't want to give him too much of a load, but man, it's uh, Texas, man. You know, snatching defeat in the hands of victory. 
Uh, last loser of the week. Um, this isn't that big of a loser, but uh, BYU. They, I think they had some real aspirations for trying to get into a New Year's Six Bowl. That's hurt after the loss to Boise State. Um, BYU put up almost 400 yards of offense, but just could not score. They could not get in the end zone. Boise State, I think, only had like 260 yards of offense, but every time they were in that goal line, man, they were they scored. They took advantage of it. So hats off to the Broncos. BYU takes a step back. I still think they're good. I think they have a real shot against Baylor this week. Um, Baylor's defense is not good. BYU might be able to score some points. Um, I don't know how good BYU's defense is. I know uh, Satake is a great defensive mind, uh, but they're going to have to bring it. They're going to want to play or want to beat um, Baylor. Um, Nebraska and Michigan. Man, Nebraska is the best four-loss team in the country. (laughs) Um, I think that Illinois game is kind of a fluke. I really do. Um, If they take care of their business, if if Nebraska played Illinois today, I think Nebraska would win by 10 points. Um, They just turned the ball over way too much in that game. And it was ugly. And that's how Illinois wins. So Nebraska is getting close. I think they're tough. Honestly, I'm not yelling for upsets yet. But, man, I was a guy at the beginning of the year and into this Penn State-Iowa game where I thought Iowa was a legit good team that – and I think they are good, um, but I, I thought Penn State would lose to them, you know, with Sean Clifford. But I tell you what, Nebraska and I will have to play each other that last game of the year, day after Thanksgiving. A sneaky rivalry, by the way, pretty cool rivalry there. Newer, um, I think Nebraska can beat them later on. I really do. I really do. But anyway. We are going to switch gears, and now we're going to go to our interview with Jeff Nadu. All right, everybody, please welcome on one of the best sports bettors on the internet, host of the Sit Down Podcast. Please welcome Jeff Nadu. Jeff, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. I would not say I'm one of the best people in the internet as far as sports bettors. I try to uh, turn a profit. I try to help people win. Uh, you know, if I make you win, that's good. I would listen. I, I would get a lot of shit if people heard that publicly. Well, I guess they will hear it publicly, but they will. I don't think. I don't think I, I am. I just try to make a profit, man. That's yeah. the goal. Uh, and I just grind like everybody else. But yeah. thank you for the kind words. No. I, I think. I think mostly everyone that listens to this is the type of person that they're just trying to make a profit every Saturday, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the goal. And and I have had a good season so far, mm-hmm. you know, I really, I've always loved college sports. That's kind of my, my bread and butter. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I do expect to win, you know, that that's something. And, and again, I've, I kind of look at how I gamble and how I do things. Not that I'm better than anybody else, but I've been doing this a long time. I feel like um, I can relate a lot to people and, you know, if I could teach you something that I learned when I was younger and I made mistakes mm-hmm. that I've had to deal with over the years, I always liken it to rounders. If you've ever seen that film, yeah. Uh, you know, at the end of the film, Michael McDermott's trying to get Kanish to to give him a loan, and, and Kanish tells him, like, you know, you're a real punk. You know that, 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're out here trying to like win fantasy bets every night and win at the poker tip. And I'm just trying to grind and make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned that I'm trying to teach you. That's kind of how I'm trying to do things. I, I think I can break down games. If you said Jeff is the best game breakdown guy, I would agree with you on that. <laughs> I definitely am. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, that's the goal. You, you hit it on the head. And when college basketball comes, it'll be the same goal there. Yeah. And I tell you what, man, like I, I don't. I mean, college football, obviously, with this podcast, college football is my my thing. I love it. I um, I'll watch every freaking game on on a slate from Tuesday to Saturday. Um, college basketball, I enjoy it, but you know, I'm the type of guy if I'm going to bet on college basketball, I need to listen to you know guys like you and maybe some of the other people that um, are giving out advice, you know, because that's not my that's not my forte. Yeah, and you know. I would always tell someone that's doing this or getting into it, you know, I would definitely try to find a few things that you excel at, try to master those. You know, I feel like you could always kind of spot a mark, you know, in a group when, you know, that person's betting. Like I get into it all the time with these young kids on Twitter that, you know, I call it the, you know, and I think we know where I'm going here. I call it the Barstool fan group Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're, they're, they're amateur gamblers. They haven't gambled for very long. They're probably Mm -hmm. young. Um, you know, they're betting 40, 50 games every weekend. And, you know, for me, I'm very selective, you know, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, I guess nowadays, like you're almost looked upon as stupid if you're only betting a couple of games trying to find mm-hmm. an edge. Um, yep. But I feel like this is my money and I'm going to try to, you know, put it in the best position. So, yep. yeah, I would advise, you know, don't be betting every sport. Don't be betting every single game, every right. single day, you know. Um, but you know, luckily I only control my own money. I don't got to worry about anyone's else. Do what you want. I'll just worry about myself. You know, it's, it's funny you say that Jeff, just because I usually only pick maybe like five or six games on a Saturday to bet college football. And this week, this last week, um, I probably put money on about 10 or 12 games between that. I was like, okay, it's a big slate. I'm going to go big this weekend. And I think I went like four and eight or like five and, um, you know, five and whatever it's, you know, I had a bad week. You know, if I just kept going, I feel like if I keep going with those, you know, pick five or six games and, you know, you pick six games, you go four and two and you keep doing that consistently. By the time the end of the season rolls around, you have a profit, you know, if you get too big for your britches, you're going to start losing money. Right. And there's so much volatility in gambling that you just have, like you said, one bad day and, and that can throw mm-hmm. away a whole you know, four or five weeks that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had, this is weird. Cause like first week I had eight plays. I went mm-hmm. seven and one. Okay. Yeah. Week one. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, from then on, I'm just, you know, three, four plays each week. I think three is a good number. Four is a good number. I kind of see how the day goes. Maybe I add some at night, but um, yeah, I, I've been very happy with, with, with the season so far. And when I have, Taking shots. So there, there were two weeks where I had more than four plays. Mm-hmm. I went, what was it? Four and zero and seven and one. So yeah. yeah, that's been the key to. And then you're just trying to break even and add to the profit. So exactly. Um, you know. So yeah, it, it's a, uh, it, it's a grind, but you just got to take one play at a time. Yeah. Um. So your podcast, the sit down. Um. So some of the people that may not have um, heard of it, um, which it's really good. Um, you're talking about uh, the history of the of the mafia and things like that. Um, do, would, would you like to explain your podcast? 
Yeah, so I sports bet kind of by day. I do content for that, you know, and and as basketball gets closer and closer, I'll do more and more content. Um, but I started this show because this is kind of my other passion. You know, I always wanted to kind of try to branch out. And and my goal as as, as a human being every day I wake up is to have my hands in as many things as I can. You know, luckily, I'm very proud that I don't have to wake up and, and punch a clock like a lot of people do. I've, I've found ways to to grind out, you know, a life for myself over the last six, seven years. Um, and this is one thing I wanted to do is add something a little different. Uh, so I started talking about the mafia every week. We talk about the history. You know, the mafia is a fascinating group of people and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. really have been longstanding in the history of our country. So every week we, we take a mobster and we, we kind of tell a compelling uh, biography of their life. And uh, we talk about films, we talk about TV shows and, you know, maybe guys you know about, maybe guys that you don't. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and we have a good time. It's it's got really successful, really popular. Now I'm you know creating an avenue to make money off that. So mm-hmm. um, you know just having my hands in multiple things. But I didn't think this would take off the way it did. No, and and honestly, like I mean, I'm a big history buff. So when I saw you were doing this, like man, that's really cool. And then just that there's an audience for it too. Oh yeah. You're you're close to what you're 20 episodes in and you're almost at 500 K. So we're, we just did our 27th episode. Mm -hmm. Um, We're pushing 500,000 listens, which, you know, we've equated, we're doing about 15, 16,000 an episode, which, you know, we have some that are like 12, then we have some that are like 30. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're we're happy with it. You know, it's a, people love the mafia. And I realized this when I was at Barstool, I would, I, I, I don't think I was the mob reporter per se, but I would always like kind of, if I knew something about the mob or something happened, I would write about it. And I would notice like the stories would get a lot of views. Like people would read it and people were interested in it. So um, yeah, there's a huge underbelly on on YouTube and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So, and there's not a ton of people doing it and doing it well. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's taken off and and we're going to keep trying to grow it. Yeah. Um, Def, no, definitely. And like, like I said, that's really interesting, especially like, I mean, I'm from like Northeastern Pennsylvania and yeah. I believe it was the, I think it was the Gambino crime Buffalino. family. What, what was that? So back in the day, Northeastern mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, um, mm-hmm. they're kind of defunct now, but there was a group called the Buffalino crime family. Yes. Um, they were run by a guy called Russell Buffalino, who, if you've ever seen the Irishman, he that's was portrayed. P- Pesci's character. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Joe yes. Pesci, correct. Yeah, and at one point he was one of the most powerful people in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, you know, they kind of you know die eventually and, and, and that group's gone defunct. For a long time, uh there was a, a family up there, the the Delia crime family. They were run, he was uh Buffalino's driver, Billy Delia. He, he had mm-hmm. a lot of interest in some of the casinos up in the Poconos and that sort yeah. of thing. But um, but yeah, I mean there's an underbelly of of, of crime really everywhere along the East mm-hmm. Coast. Yeah. And I, I just know like people from like my area, that Northeastern PA area, you know, they see that and they're like, Oh, I know, I know exactly who that is. I'm going to tune in, you know? So I think, you know, not only that, but like you said, there's an audience for it and people that just know these names, you know, just through the towns are going to be, you know, listening in like, Hey, like I remember when that happened 20 years ago or something, Yeah, you know? Yeah. We Um, actually real random. um, So we did an episode on Paul Castellano who was killed in front of Spark Steakhouse by John Gotti's people. Oh yes. Years ago. It's very famous. And I got a DM randomly from a guy and he goes, Hey, um, my dad randomly contacted me and told me he loves your show. And he heard me mention you. Mm -hmm. He was telling me um, he was at the restaurant the night that happened out front. He was sitting there eating dinner 
So I'm trying to get it coordinated to have him come on the show and speak about it because the anniversary is coming up for it. Right. And, um, yeah. You just, you get to know people and, and people are like, Oh yeah, I was there for that. Or I, I heard about that or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating uh, show to do. Oh, definitely is. Um, you also will be featured in rough and rowdy in December. Um, now I know you're fighting uh Jersey Jerry. Now you don't have to get into the big specifics, but how did this whole feud start? Yeah, so, so I've been connected with Barstool Lucy for a while. Yeah. Um, and this was probably about a month ago or so at this mm-hmm. point. It was a Sunday night, just like the one we're in right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting right before a Sunday night game starts. And I see this guy, Jersey Jerry, who had just got hired. And I saw him whining in a DM to Dave about – he should get his money back because a ref call didn't go his way. And I'm just saying to myself, like as a gambler, mm-hmm. if I could take back all the stuff that refs have done to me, mm-hmm. and I could move to, 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 to Italy and, and retire probably. <laughs> um, so I, I just kind of called it out playfully and was like, is this guy serious? Like, what the hell is this all about? I had no intention to like break his balls. I don't even know the guy. Yeah. And, um, he just kind of fires back like, you know, F you, you know, do you want to fight? You know, if you're so tough, da, 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 da. I'm just like, all right, whatever. People challenge me to fight all the time. So like he just kind of kept going with it and mm-hmm. eventually caught Dave's eye and Big Cat's eye. And mm-hmm. before I know it, I'm on the Portnoy podcast explaining myself. And look, I don't want to fight. Okay, I don't need to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if something's presented to me, and I can make money off it and it'll help my bottom line. I'll think about it. Mm-hmm. So we kind of did the whole little thing back and forth. We're similar size. He's a little shorter than me. Uh, and I, Dave texted me and said, are you, are you serious? Do you actually want to fight? I said, I said, if we can make it work, yeah. I'm in. So, you know, we kind of figured it all out and, and they offered me a price. And, you know, I also kind of thought to myself, I slept on it. I remember. And I thought I woke up that morning. I said, you know what? This isn't about me fighting anybody, okay? It's not about my opponent. This is about me on a personal level, the journey that I've taken the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. For anyone that doesn't know, I lost a lot of weight, over 100 Mm -hmm. pounds. And this is for me like a personal journey. Like, can I actually do this, you know? Because I think where I was when I first started doing all this and where I might end up, Mm -hmm. and it's like, you know what? It's a challenge for me. So I'm going to do it. And I don't really care who my opponent is. And, and if I can make some money and, and grow my brand along the way, so mm-hmm. be it. And I think it'll be fun as well. Right yeah, before, no, right? it definitely will be. And yeah, man, like, uh, you know, saw, see, seeing your journey over the past you know year was, was really cool. Super happy for you. And I feel like it's, you know, come to a head a little bit, you know, that you're going to be in a, in a ring boxing somebody, um, man. And the best of luck to you. Like I said, I've been following well, you for a while, so. I will say this quickly. Um, I've got a lot of surprises for people. You know, for whatever reason, I'm an underdog to this guy. A lot of people don't think I can win, which, you know, I'm, I'm okay with, um, you know what this also will do for me, bro, is, is that night when I walk into that ring, Mm -hmm. I'm going to remember all the shit over the years I've had to deal with on the internet. And to me, it's almost my moment, right. Mm -hmm. Where this is one of those moments where you win. It's like you dictate what happens next. Maybe Mm -hmm. I fight again. Um, you know, and, and to all the people that doubted me, man, like, you know, this is a journey for me and I'll get there. Yeah. No, totally awesome, man. Totally awesome. Um, this is my, uh, this is my NFL moment or NBA <laughs> moment. I'm never going to have those moments, 
because I ain't in those leagues and I'm never going to be in those leagues. So this is my uh, Tyson Fury moment. Right? Yeah. This it's it's like it's like every it's like every athlete has that one moment where like they yeah. arrive. Where it's now like, I'm not an athlete, but <laughs> you'll be an athlete. Hey, listen, you'll be an athlete that day. Right, you'll and be also, an athlete like, that day. It's a memory, man. Like mm-hmm. I'll look back on this when I'm old and be like, I did that. You yeah. know, like that was one thing I did. I fought in a fight. You know, I. It's just a great memory, and and whether I win or lose, I'm going to try to win, but. It's a cool memory. It's the yeah. game of life, and it, it's cool to think about. No, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we're going to go into some college football talk. Um, some of the uh, bigger games on the slate for next Saturday, or this Saturday coming up, I should say. Um, let's start off with Oklahoma State at Texas. Uh, right now, Texas is or when they opened up as a five-point favorite. Um, you know, Oklahoma State – I feel like they have a good defense. Texas is coming off a, just a devastating loss. I feel like if you lose in that fac- fashion, can absolutely kill a locker room. If I do feel like if uh, Spencer Saunders um, can have a good day and generate points against that Texas defense, that I do believe Texas or Oklahoma State, the Pokes might be able to slow down Texas. Uh, they got to shut down uh, Bajon uh, Robinson or at least slow him down. But right now, I do like Oklahoma State in this game. Yeah, and I mean, what do we know about Oklahoma State? I mean, right now, you know, they're kind of under the radar, aren't they? I mean, very under the radar. Very under of, the radar. Yeah, they're five and zero. They're really good defensively. Very good mm-hmm. against the run. They're really kind of a mirror defensively of what Texas just saw in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Now. Texas answered the call. They moved the football. But, you know, ultimately, defensively, they're just not very good. I mean, that's a problem mm-hmm. for them. And I think this is another tough matchup. This is not going to be as easy to move the ball against Oklahoma State. You've mentioned it as well. Uh, Oklahoma State has a quarterback. He's a veteran. Uh, I'm not a believer in Texas. I, I told you and your your boys over at Brandon when I did the show on Saturday, I know Texas is a fraud, and I think it's been clear. There are two step-up games they've lost, one of which in embarrassing fashion. Um, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Nobody cares what you did in the first half. Did you yep. win the game? No, you didn't. Did you cover? No, we didn't. Um, and remember, all that was to a backup quarterback for the most part. Um, yeah. This is a bad defense. This is a team that I think solely relies on one player. And against Oklahoma State, that's not going to be easy. This is a very good run defense. They're allowing 2.8 yards a carry, which is, I think, top 10 in America. Um, they are strong on the defensive end. I think this is a – but here I will say this, bro, as well. This is a big-time barometer game uh, for Oklahoma State. Haven't mm-hmm. really faced uh, this good a team yet. So mm-hmm. um, I'm willing to believe they get the job done here. Um, Texas, I think, is 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 kind of shell-shocked probably. Yeah. No, it, definitely. And – you know, like, like I said, I just feel like a lot of teams, when they lose a big, intense rivalry game, especially like the how they lost, you know, you go out to a 28 to 7 lead and you don't finish the job. And mm-hmm. in the second half, you could tell Oklahoma made adjustments because Texas only had what 10 points in the whole second half. And then in the fourth quarter, um, you know, Caleb Williams steps in, which I've been defending Spencer Rattler. Now that goes out the window because I Caleb Williams just proved he's the guy. But he goes in there, and Texas had zero answer for him. Zero answer from him. Well, they, they really 
really haven't had an answer defensively against any good team. I mean, to be real honest, I mean, let's just say we go back to Texas Tech, who couldn't stop them either. But I mean, Texas Tech scored 35 points. Yep. Arkansas scored 40. You gave up 55 yesterday. I mean, this is a bad defense year after year. Um, I don't trust their quarterback. I know he played well yesterday, and, and, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But I don't think Texas uh, – this is a tough game for Texas. I yeah. would – what do you have a number? I, for whatever reason, I it's mine. Uh, Texas is at um, is a five point favorite right now. Yeah, that's and, and what that's telling me is bookmakers have no idea how to price Texas right now, and I think for good reason. Mm-hmm. Five is a nice price here. Um, I think we have a a very a live dog here. That this might be a game that you might want to jump on early for Oklahoma State because as the week goes on, people might be putting more money to lower that line. I don't think we'll see seven in this game. You kind of have five, and and I mean that's a pretty good number. That's no man's land number. Generally, fives are are, are live. So yeah, I, I, again, when you put a number at five, you're kind of telling the audience you don't really know mm-hmm. where to price this, and you're just going to throw it in no man's land. So yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. All right. Um, next game, uh, SEC Auburn at Arkansas. Arkansas is a three and a half point dog, or sorry, Arkansas is a three and a half point favorite. Um, listen, I was very impressed. And now I know Ole Miss's defense isn't good. Um, I do think they gotten better a lot from last year, but Arkansas, you know what? They put up like 50, 51 against them. KJ Jefferson looked pretty good. Um, this Auburn team is weird to me. I think they're good, but they can run the ball. They're all right defensively, but I just don't know how this matchup is going to go. Um, I think I do like Arkansas just because I think KJ Jefferson might be the difference maker on that Arkansas offense. Um, Bo Nix has been okay this season. He's been trying to stay away from um, to turn the ball over, but I don't know. This, this one is weird to me. And this is a game that even though it's a big matchup, I would kind of stay away from. Yeah. But what do we know about Bo Nix? He's not good on the road. Okay, you're never going to find me betting Bo Nix. It's just that mm-hmm. simple on the road. Sorry. Look, good defensive team. I like their running game. Um, you know, I think last week, and, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say it didn't matter defensively. I think you throw away what happened last week. Those all old Miss games just get nutty a lot of the mm-hmm. time. I do think Arkansas is good defensively. I, you know, I know it didn't really, it wasn't indicative last week. Look, give them credit. I mean, Sam Pittman went for the win, didn't get mm-hmm. it. I will never understand why people throw on two-point conversion. I never understand it. Run the football. Look, if they stop you, they stop you. Mm-hmm. There's too much traffic in the end zone. It's just, especially in that situation where you have to get it or you lose, mm-hmm. I just don't like that decision to throw there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's pretty simple. I don't want to get bet on Bo Nix on the road. Uh, you mentioned KJ Jefferson was terrific yesterday. Mm-hmm. I didn't think Arkansas had that in them. I didn't know they were capable of putting up that amount of points. No, um, they continue. Traylon Burke's a great player. Uh, this is a good football team, and they have some stones on them. I like Sam Pittman. He seems to go for it. He takes shots. Um, I, I just – I'm not a big Auburn guy, particularly on yeah. the road. No, def- definitely. And, you know, you you bring up a good point. I, I don't understand why, uh, you know, two-point conversions, why coaches don't run more. Or at least, you know, you have a quarterback like K.J. Jefferson. Just tell yeah. him, hey, listen, yeah. drop back. If it's not there, if you have to force some, take off. We have to remember real quick. It's this, mm-hmm. and it continues to defy my logic and my understanding. So you need two yards. Okay, you set the ball up at the two yard mm-hmm. line. Okay, why not 
most of these quarterbacks are six three, six four. Like, why aren't you just running behind your left or right guard and your center and, and just stay heading the ball? Look, if they stop you, they stop you. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's almost like you know, taking a shot on something, and if it hits, it hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you by throwing it, I think you have much less chance. Again, mm-hmm. there's too much traffic, there's too many bodies down in the goal line. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I'm just going to stand up, get under center and go behind my guard and center and yeah. try to find my way into the end zone. Exactly. You know, and I'll give you an example. Um, I mean, I know I can name a bunch of examples, but, you know, I, I'm in the stadium for Penn State at Auburn or sorry, uh, Auburn at Penn State, the whiteout, the whole thing. Auburn late in the game, they were fourth and goal on the two. Yeah. And everyone, a fade or something. I know everyone, including me. Now, I understand, you know, Penn State has a very good defensive line, but they were getting a decent amount of yards a pop. You have Tank Bigsby there, man. Just run it up the gut. Right. You have a better shot of him making it there and falling forward than Bo Nix, you know, uh, going to fade in the back of the end zone against two safeties that have, I think, are really good. Are really good. And if you don't have... get it, you don't get it. It is what yeah. it is. It's a better percentage. It's, yep. it's almost like uh, when Pete Carroll threw it at the goal line in the Super Bowl. Yeah, why? Like, KJ Jefferson, by the way, is 6'3", 250. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, he's not 5'9", 220 or 210. Yeah. Like, he's a beefy kid. He's a long, lengthy, big kid. Mm-hmm. Give him the ball and just – if he doesn't get in, he doesn't get in. Hell, roll him out, <laughs> you know? Right. R- roll right. him out. You know, hit Good a little – dra- hit something. Or if not, bam, he can take off. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with you there. Um, this one, Baylor, or sorry, uh, BYU at Baylor, uh, Baylor is a five point favorite right now. Um, now BYU just lost to Boise state and they put up over 400 yards of offense. I, they only scored like 17 points, uh, couldn't finish drives. Baylor's defense has been bad for the majority of this year. Um, can't get after the quarterback and they have like six sacks against West Virginia, but West Virginia's offensive line is terrible, so I'd throw that stat out the window. Um, I don't know. This one, this is one where I might wait to see kind of where the line kind of goes. This is one I'm going to sit out on for a little bit before I lay something on it, if I want to even lay on anything on it. But I think BYU has a good offense. Baylor's defense is shaky. Um, but I do think Baylor will be able to put up points against BYU's defense. Yeah, you got to wonder where BYU's head's at. I mean, you you pretty much, you know, if you had any chance to, to you know, this year go to the Final Four, God forbid, that's over now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Sataki. I think he's a great coach. I always enjoyed him. Good defensive coach. Um, you know, and you're right. They fumbled away chances. They had opportunities. That's kind of weird for them because they're generally very good in the red zone. They always mm-hmm. come away with points. But again, in the college football ranks, you've got to score touchdowns any, in any rank. You got to score touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Three ain't going to get the job done for you. You're not going to win kicking field goals. Um, I was a bit surprised to see this number. I think it's a, and Baylor's a good team, but I think BYU is significantly better. I, I know they're going to be a favorite here, but I don't know where they're, why they're five point favorites. That, mm-hmm. That's a bit surprising. You want to put it three and a half? Go ahead. Uh, but five, five and a half, that's too mm-hmm. high. Uh, I think Brigham Young is the better team. I think if you're Sataki, you know, you gotta you gotta move on. You still have a lot of season. This is a non-conference game in Texas against a good football team. Mm-hmm. I would also say, I mean, the game probably is low scoring. I mean, Dave Aranda, 
you know, is he a great, is this a great defensive team? I don't think, but Dave Moran is a good coach. I don't love their quarterback play. I don't love quarterback play on either side here. I kind of look at this game being kind of like the game on Saturday for BYU. Uh, kind of, you know, one team in the the, the, the teens, one team in the 20s, maybe one team it's 30, other one doesn't. I'm going to lean uh, Brigham Young, though. I think they're the better team. I think they bounce back. I will say this, and, and I watched the entire West Virginia-Baylor game yesterday. West Virginia's offense is bad. And they were able to drive the field and then they would just stall on like the 30, 25 yard line. They went for it down in the near the goal line and didn't come up with anything. Um, so they at least move the ball. And I know BYU's offense is significantly better than West Virginia. So that could spill problems for Baylor. Yeah, I just am going to go with what I you know, believe in, and I believe in Hall. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't mm-hmm. love Jerry Bohannon. I just, yeah. you know, both these, you know, at least the first game, like Oklahoma State, I think it went out right. I think Brigham Young can win out right. I was really generally surprised to see Brigham Young as a five-point uh, dog. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think they're the better team. Yeah. Um. Okay, this is, I mean, this uh, college game day is going back to Athens for this one. This one's a little surprising. To me, at least, Georgia is a 23 and a half point favorite at home against Kentucky. Um, Kentucky's a team that relies heavily on the run game. Um, Will Levis, transfer quarterback from Penn State, a guy that only has to really th- throw the ball uh, 20 times a game. Um, he's really tough kid, um, not a traditional pocket passer. And honestly, I mean, the line says it. I don't like Kentucky at all in this game. They have to run the football, and I just think Georgia's defensive line is going to eat them up. And, you know, Georgia's offense might not be great, and I know Kentucky has a good defense, but if your offense isn't going to move the ball and you're going to continue to give the other opposition chances, you're going to play right into Georgia's hands. Honestly, I, I might take this at 23 and a half. I might see if it goes down a little bit, but I, I think Georgia blows the doors off them. You know, I think for me, I, I'm i not in a rush to take Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to see if it can go to 24 because I think 24 is kind of a key number. Yeah. You know, and again, if this goes down to 22 and a half, 23, like it's not going to keep me off of it uh, as long as it stays above 21. You know, I, but I'm not going to tell you I've, I'm going to bet this or, or will be betting it. I'm a bit concerned for Kentucky because I think you outlaid a good point. They do need to run the football. But do they? Because Will Levis, I thought, was pretty good last night. I mean, in, in, in kind of that game manager role, which mm-hmm. is what he needs to be. We don't know what JT Daniels' status is. Stetson Bennett's still the quarterback. The problem we have here, though, is Georgia every day, every game will – have a possibility that they're going to pitch a shutout. They're that good defensively. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking at this and saying, you know, and I, I kind of said this the other day, and I'll say this to anyone that will listen. If you're going to continue to throw these totals in, let's say the mid forties or 44 and a half in this case, I'm going to lean under. Mm-hmm. Like I just am. I don't trust Stetson Bennett. I thought the 34 they put up, I thought that was a little high for what I think they're normally with. I don't love mm-hmm. them vertically. So yeah, both defense is good. I think this low-scoring game, I'll look for 44 and a half and that Kentucky just doesn't move the ball. Yep. And, you know, again, you said it, you, you beat me to the punch. Uh, my next note is I do like the under 45 in this game. 
And honestly, I, I think I jump on that right now because I think it might go down. I, I think what books need to start doing is putting their totals at like 41 and a half because, you know, this like 33, 10, 34, 10, you know, 34, seven, like you're losing by putting these totals this high. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how long they're going to get beat on this before they do something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was surprised again to see a very good defensive team and you're putting the total at 45. It's too mm-hmm. high. Yeah. Okay, because you have to look at yourself and ask, what do we think the scores are going to be here? It's unlikely it's going to be 49-10. It just is. Georgia's right. not, I don't think, Cape, and maybe against Vandy or a team like that, but mm-hmm. against these good SEC teams, I think you got to start playing these at like 41 and a half. So if you're going to give me 45, it'll mm-hmm. probably just be an auto bet until they change it. Yeah. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking like a, you know, maybe like a, a 35 to 7 or – 31 seven or something like that, you know, something where, you know, George is going to get 30, but you know, Kentucky might only get a touchdown in garbage time or something right. like that. And then the under hits. Yep. Um, so let's move on to some um, lines to jump on. I have two that I, I jumped on early here. Um, I really like Ole Miss minus three over Tennessee. I get that right now. Uh, I know Tennessee put up points against, um, I think it was South Carolina, but I I do like Ole Miss. Again, their defense is suspect, but I do think they're taking steps forward in that. But I'd get Ole Miss minus three right now because I do think it's it'll go up during the week. Yeah, I'll say I saw Circa open this total at 85 and a half, which is a joke. Um, it's now 79 and a half on FanDuel, which – Look, if you were able to get 85 and a half, and I'm sure there are plenty of sharps that got 85 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, if you put an 85 and a half, I'll bet under. I'll tra- mm-hmm. I'll challenge them that they scored 90. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's going to happen. But, um, yeah, look, I think for me with Ole Miss, my whole thing is just, I don't know. I just don't like this team defensively. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what I look at this game as? This kind of reminds me of Nebraska-Michigan last night, only in the fact that, Tennessee has really been a non-factor. No one's really cared about them. Right. But you mentioned they've won a couple in a row. This is a huge game. I mean, mm-hmm. this for Rocky Top wise, they are obsessive with football. They're almost delusional. Yeah. Um, I've had my a, run-ins with uh, S, with uh, Tennessee Twitter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Same. This is a huge game. So mm-hmm. uh, I think you have that. But um, I, don't I think know. it's a night I, game as well. Right. Yeah, it's going to be fire, mm-hmm. a fire atmosphere down there. So, uh, you know, in Hypo, you know, Hen and Hooker, this is a big game for that offense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, they're going to move the ball. I know that. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see where this total goes, you know, because mm-hmm. this is really high still at like 80, basically. Yeah. Uh, not a ton of, of info on this one. I just think it, it's a it's a it's a worrisome one if you're old Miss. Yeah. Um, the other line to get early for me, at least, uh, Wisconsin Army under 42 and a half. Uh, Army, we know what Army is going to do. They're going to drain clock. They're going to try to control the football. Wisconsin has a really good defense. I don't think the triple option is going to be that big of an effect for Wisconsin, but that Wisconsin offense is just so bad that I do think Army's defense puts up a fight. And I think we're looking at, um, you know, a 24 to 7 type game type win for Wisconsin. So I would take the under right now at 42 and a half before it drops under 40. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack in this game. And this is actually a play that I've already bet. 
yep. um, this game. So, and I don't, I usually don't ever bet Sunday night, but mm-hmm. I had to play this as soon as I saw the number. I took Army plus 13 and a half. I, I, I just think it's too high. I think, I thought Bet Online had 12. I thought that was too high. Mm-hmm. Um, here, a couple things here. And I, uh, this is strictly always a play that I make. Okay. When you have these mid season games, okay, where you're out of conference, okay. You just played last week. Keep in mind, Army is off a bye. Okay, that's huge for them Mm -hmm. in this game. Wisconsin just played last week. And for Wisconsin, what they're doing here is they're playing a team and a type of team they don't normally play. Now, I know you make a good point. They are good defensively, Wisconsin. I'm not going to tell you they aren't. But defending the triple option is a lot harder than it looks. Okay, you've Mm got to be disciplined in gaps, spacing, all that sort of thing. This is a really tough ask, especially because the other team in Army is off a bye. Christian mm-hmm. Anderson gets an opportunity to get healthy. Um, I think we see him back. He was supposed to play against Ball State, didn't end up playing. I think we see him back. Now, again, if you come to me on Friday and say Anderson's not playing, I might not like this bet as much. Mm-hmm. But I think you made a good point. I think it's a low-scoring game, and you're not playing the side. You're playing the total. Yeah, I kind of had it at, like – 24 13 like that that's where i had it and mm-hmm. you know i'll take close to two touchdowns here uh, i don't think wisconsin's very good frankly i think this is a really tough game on their schedule especially right in the middle of mm-hmm. big 10 play um i'll take a really tough scheduling spot and go with munkin i think his teams are usually up remember oklahoma a couple years ago yeah. oh yeah when yep. beat them so mm-hmm. you know, this is a guy that gets his teams to respond and I always love this about Army, and I always tell you this about military schools, whether it's Naval Academy, Air Force, or Air Army. And I don't know if you know this, bro, but over the years, I've become the military whisperer. Ask anybody that knows about Okay. Them. I know about these schools. Mm-hmm. One thing I love about them, they're always disciplined. They don't make mm-hmm. mistakes. Yep. They're generally very good from penalties. They don't commit mm-hmm. dumb, bad penalties. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest knock. When you score a touchdown, you see that little yellow flag come out. Oh yeah, you're hurting your team. They don't do that, so um, I, I really like this spot with Army. No, absolutely. I mean, they're all the military academies. They're all very disciplined. They play disciplined football. They play within themselves. They everyone has everyone just. I mean, just like the military, everyone does their job to the yeah. best of their ability. No one tries to play hero ball out there. Wisconsin's defense, they're going to need to kind of. They're going to have need to do that. You can't have guys going out there playing hero ball, get playing outside of themselves. Everyone has to know what who they need to shut down. They need to know what their gap responsibility is. They need to know, okay, this is what I need to do. This is who I need to read. Because if they just rely just on their talent alone, Army's going to make you pay because they're going to pick up three and four yards every time, and they're going to move the chains on third and two and third and one. Yeah, they and call that's it the big thing is to get them into third and eight, third and long, make them throw the football. Yeah, and they call it being ahead of schedule, right? You you mm-hmm. want to get three or four on first yeah. down, you know, two or three on second. And look, one other thing that's important to realize as well, Army is a good defensive team too. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a team that you know is always going to hit you in the mouth that on that side of the ball. So yeah, that that's what I have my eye on. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm. A, I'm a bit surprised to see Arizona State, a dog to Utah. Um, I really like this Sun Devil team. I'm high on mm-hmm. this group. Um, you know, I like Herman Edwards. I think he's a good coach. Mm-hmm. I think if I were, you know, a young man in America and I had a, a son that was playing football, mm-hmm. I would want him to play for Herman Edwards. I think he's, especially if I'm a young black male, 
Um, I think he's got tremendous wisdom. I think he's huge for the development of a young kid. And this team's playing really well, man. I mean, Jay oh, yeah. has been awesome. I like this Rashad White kid in the backfield. Um, I like their defense. I thought they did a nice job against Stanford. Tanner McKee had been playing really well. Yeah. Uh, I just like the big play ability. They had some huge plays against UCLA. They scored like yep. 21 points in a matter of a, a few minutes. It was pretty impressive. So they That's the game. And, like, I liked Arizona State last year. I thought they were going to have a little bit of a step back this coming into this year. They they had some off-field issues with some of their assistant coaches during COVID. But they completely surprised me at UC, against UCLA. Went into UCLA and, like you were saying, big plays, played solid defense. Um, now I'm kind of turning around. I, am, I think I saw them as a, um, as a one-point favorite or whatever, but I, I do like Arizona state as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll also say, um, you know, this is a team I'm, I'm kind of uh, looking at from a, a standpoint of, you know, they've had some really, I mean, you talk about a team that's had a tough schedule is Western Kentucky. Uh, this team mm-hmm. has played army, Indiana, Michigan state, UTSA all in a row. That's tough, which it's really tough. Mm-hmm. You know what I call this game this week against Old Dominion? A get right, let your hair down game. Mm-hmm. Okay, Old Dominion is. Can I swear on here? Yeah, Old Dominion is fucking terrible. <laughs> like they can't move the ball. Like mm-hmm. every week, their quarterbacks eight for twenty three can't move the ball. I said on Twitter last night I thought West Kentucky had one of the worst defense in the country. They do. Mm-hmm. They're not good. Yeah, but this is a game where you're just significantly better than your opponent. I don't think old dominion can keep up with West Kentucky. It's hard to lay two touchdowns on the road with them, but I think this is the kind of game where you let your hair down. If you're Western, you try to put Mm -hmm. up a 50 spot. I I, I've faded old dominion once or twice this year against Liberty and wake covered both. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a bad football team. They're not capable of keeping up with high flying opponents. Mm -hmm. I think Western goes and wins this game, you know, 49 17 49 21 something like that they're not a great defensive team but i don't think you have to be great against old dominion um i want to keep this under two touchdowns yeah the the only thing and i agree with everything you said the only thing that worries me and again transitive properties is nothing in college football but um old dominion um kind of held marshall marshall has a really good i really like marshall's offense um, with Gamage, Ali, and um, Wells, that three-headed monster at quarterback, receiver, and running back, and you know they held them to 14 points. It was 20 points in. It was 20 points because of overtime. Um, so that kind of worries me a little bit. But I do think that with Western Kentucky's offense, I do think that I don't think Old Dominion is going to be great defensively two day, two weeks in a row. Yeah, and I'll also say you know. And and I'm just maybe I just devalue them a little bit more than you do. I don't think Marshall's very good, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that lost East Carolina, mm-hmm. lost to Middle Tennessee State. Um, and look, you make a good point. They almost lost, but ultimately did still win by seven, right? Yeah. I mean, 13 and a half when you're dealing with a team like Washington, Kentucky. I'm sure on Saturday night when I bet this game, I'm gonna say to myself, why did I bet on this defense to lay two touchdowns? I just I think Old Dominion's that bad on offense, so mm-hmm. 
I'm going to put it, and hopefully this is close, and they just pull away in the second half. Yep. They actually did that in their first game against Tennessee Martin. Ended up putting like 60 on the board. So mm. I think they do that here. I'll back the great offense in Washington. Awesome. Um, you got any more, Jeff, before we move on to our next segment? No, I mean, that's pretty much the early thought. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty early here. Um, I, I don't normally go too, too deep until Tuesday or so, but mm-hmm. I actually already put out, you know, played Army. That's one that I'm already on. All right. Um, all right. So next, what we're going to do, we're going to play a little word association here. Uh, it's called Vital Information. OK, I'm going to give you, you know, uh, either one of your favorite things or best of type of things. And you got to tell me what you what you think. All right. OK, cool. All right. Um, favorite college team. Temple. All right. Favorite college player. Now or forever. Forever. Any sport? Go, uh, football. Football. Uh, wow. Uh, this is a good one. Right. Tell me where this guy played. Keenan Reynolds. Oh, Navy, man. Loved him. Loved him, yeah. One of the biggest bets I ever hit was on him. Awesome. Whole game. Final year. Oh, sweet. Um, how about let's go favorite co- uh, favorite college player, any sport? Um, Jimmer Fredette. Oh, Jimmer. All right. He's still, I, I actually went and saw him live. It was incredible. He One of the greatest scorers I've ever seen. When I was a kid, though, it was Lynn Greer. He played for Temple back mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. They went to the Elite Eight under John Chaney. Yeah, I was that, just going to say, that's one of Chaney's teams, man. Yeah, I fell in love with basketball because of that. those teams. That was the year the Sixers went to the finals as well. Yeah. And growing and- up, I, I love basketball. I, I truly adore it. And mm-hmm. I remember just so many great names over the years. Um, Just, What's- yeah. It's just great. Was Christmas on that team? No, Christmas that was, was later. A, No, that was a few years after, actually. 2003, okay. 2004. That was Cheney's last year, actually, when they transferred to Fran Dunphy. Mm-hmm. It was Deontay Christmas. And actually, a personal friend of mine, he, he lives in my city, Dustin Salisbury. They were on that team together. Um, yeah, that was Cheney's final year, actually. Mm-hmm. That was the year he told uh, them to go out and, and, and ha- uh, kind of beat people up, if you remember. Yeah. Joke yeah. people and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that was Dude, that I, I love – so I – I loved watching Cheney and those Temple teams. Um, did not like that they beat the Nittany Lions, my Nittany Lions, who were on a little bit of a Cinderella, uh, a small Cinderella run um, in 2001. Because I remember Penn State beat Temple earlier that year, mm-hmm. and then they played in the tournament in the Sweet 16, and Temple beat them. Yeah, Temple went all the way to the Elite Eight that year. Yep. It's a great yep. season. Um, and I remember Penn State, they knocked off North Carolina in the second round. Then had to play Temple again, and and Temple Temple had their number. I still will say to this day, though, the the, the greatest score I've ever seen in college basketball, at least in my lifetime, was was Fredette. He was Fredette. He was amazing to watch. The that be pulling up from like the logo, oh, yeah. the regular. It was mm-hmm. it was electric. I think he's in. Was he China now? Yeah, he kills it in China, and he kills it like yeah, making a ton of money, forty some a game. Like, like he's perfect over there because he's kind of one of those, um, almost like a missionary kind of guy, where like he can live all these different places, and yep. him and his wife kind of become acclimated. And he's kind of a, he's kind of zany, if you will. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think he'll do well there, and he's he's like a he's like a star there. So. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, best college uniform football. Tulane. Oh, those light blues the other night were yeah. perfect. Beautiful. I love them. Yeah. Um, favorite sport to follow? Basketball. 
Okay. College or NBA? College. College. Okay. Now, these are now gravitated more towards you, all right? So I okay. tweaked these last couple. Okay. Favorite mob movie? Um, Gotti. It was uh, put out in 1996 by HBO. Uh, it is okay. the best mob movie ever made, in my opinion. Okay. Wait, not – not the Travolta one. No, no. Okay, no. I was gonna say because no, this one had Armand Asante in it. Okay. Uh, if you've ever seen it, I mean, he is. I mean, I consider myself probably a Gotti expert. I know a mm-hmm. lot about John Gotti. I could tell you what his shoe size is for God's sakes. Um, he is the most accurate, accurate portrait I've ever seen of Gotti. It was incredible. Okay, he played John Gotti better than John Gotti played John. <laughs> I'll have to put it on my queue. I'll have to see if I can find. It's it. on YouTube for free. You can watch it. Really. Oh, sweet. Tremendously accurate. It's very accurate as well. That's important in mob films, the accuracy. Mm-hmm. It's very accurate. Yeah. Um, best mob character, does it, uh, it could be fictional or based on a real person. Well, I'll give you two. I'll give you the accurate and then portrayal. I'll okay. uh, go Armand Asante from Gotti. Uh, okay. I also will say that, um, look, James Gavalfini did an unbelievable job as Tony Soprano. It's hard to argue that. Um, as far as... I'll just do it with those two. Okay. Um, I, I think they're just you know, incredible portrayals of, of, of a fiction and real person. Right. Um, best mob actor. So this is the guy that's the best in mob films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I pick Pesci, Pacino, or De Niro. It's hard. I would go De Niro. I've always been a big De Niro guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought one of his best roles is in A Bronx Tale, where he was mm-hmm. um, yeah. he wasn't the villain. He was more of just a good father. You know, and I think that's one of the great mob films as well. I, yep. I just awesome. But yeah, uh, De Niro for sure. Okay. All right. Last one. The Your favorite mob story you've covered on the sit down. Good one. Uh, my favorite mobster ever is a guy called Tony Salerno. They called him Fat Tony Salerno. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not a killer, um, but he made billions of dollars in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, he got life and went to jail. Didn't make a fuss. Uh, didn't complain. In fact, I have a good story. If you'd like to hear it about Tony. Awesome. Yeah. Give it to me. So he had realized in his racketeering trial in the eighties that he was done. He was going away. And during breaks, he would become kind of disinterested and mm-hmm. he would eat chocolate. This is this guy who was in his seventies. He had weight problems. He was out of control. Uh, and a, and a jury foreman comes up to him and goes, Hey, Tony, he goes, uh, I got a couple granola bars and all that chocolate's not good for you. And he goes, who the fuck cares? I'm going to the can anyway. And that's just who he was. But mm-hmm. I love him as a story. We're also doing a story in a couple of weeks on, um, on a TV show that I think is one of the best shows ever made called Gamora. It's an mm-hmm. Italian TV show. If you like TV, I highly urge you watch this show. Yeah. Um, it is based on real events. I'm going to look forward to covering that as well. Mm-hmm. I love all mob stuff, whether it's old, new. Uh, it's just great every week talking about it. Yeah, I saw you tweeting about Gamora. It's I incredible. It a couple of days ago. It yeah. makes if you like the Sopranos, it makes the Sopranos look like a a, a trip to Amish country. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> It's incredible. I've been to Lancaster, man. <laughs> uh, well, there's a city, remember. There's a city. That's where mm-hmm. I live. I don't live in the county. Oh, okay. It gets right. a bad rap. It's a yeah. city. Yeah, uh, M- Millersville. Oh, yeah. I live very close to Millersville. Yeah. I went to high school in Millersville. Oh, cool. Um, but Jeff, hey, man, this is an absolute pleasure. Uh, you got it. Thank you again. We'll have to do this again soon. Um, 
enjoy yourself and to everyone at home, uh, everyone listening, have a great week.